From Brazil to Iran, thousands have gathered to show solidarity with U.S. protests over the killing of George Floyd. Waves of peaceful protests marched on bigger than ever before. No more silence. Overnight, nationwide unrest. We don't want to loot. That's not what we out here for. But we do want justice and we want equality. This is Lance Dixon, and thank you for joining us in this episode of Finding Faith. Over the next two weeks, we will listen to different perspectives on how the church is being called to respond to the anti-racism movements that have filled our streets in recent weeks. Many Christians admit to being unsure of how to talk about issues of systemic racism or white privilege, and some are resisting the conversations altogether. Today, we talk to Reverend Greg Smith, pastor of the Lutheran Church of Our Savior in Southeast Calgary. Reverend Smith is a white pastor who just moved from the southern U.S., who had not spoken out against racism in the past. This time, he did. Reverend Smith was featured on CTV for speaking at the first demonstration organized in Calgary after the death of George Floyd. And we joined Reverend Smith in conversation as he shares what inspired him to finally take action against racism and the conversations he realizes he must now lead in his own community. Mainly it all began with an ask. A member of our congregation, uh, Mariette Jessup, she had saw me post something on Facebook, you know, and just um, with regard to uh, George Floyd. And, and she said, hey, you know, I'm just trying to organize this, uh, this protest at Fish Creek. Would you be able to speak at her? Would you be willing to? I said, uh, yes, I would. I would. And it was definitely outside of my comfort zone. And I was quite nervous going into it. Um, but yeah, kind of the journey that got me there and, and kind of pushed me out of the comfort zone was yeah, I grew up in the States um, and just was exposed to racism. I abhorred it and I, you know, I, I, and when I saw people that, you know, said racist things or did racist things, you know, I was just, it just angered me, but I really didn't go beyond that. Yes. I would preach it from the pulpit and, you know, share it within a con- uh, the silo of a congregation, but I never, you know, branched out from there. And I, I think what kind of propelled me into actually going and, and speaking at, at the protest was it was kind of this gut check for me, like, what have I done? Yeah. What, and, and it wasn't so much what I have done, but it's what I have not done. And yeah. so, you know, no, have I committed any acts of racism? No, I haven't, but I've certainly, uh, I've committed the sin of omission in not being an yeah. advocate. And so that was kind of my conviction to, you know, go to the protest and and speak out. A lot of church leaders have made statements in the recent days condemning racism, but I have not witnessed a lot of them on the streets actively demonstrating 
what is the hesitancy the church in North America has about engaging in this issue? That's, that's a really good question. I mean, you know, I'm just kind of thinking about this kind of historically and, um, you know, how the church has kind of been, you know, on the forefront of this whole issue. You know, Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, back to John Newton and Wilberforce, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to the to the abolitionists in the states, uh, to Dr. King, you know, um, Mm -hmm. the church has been, you know, kind of front and center in not only, um, you know, just saying this is bad or this is wrong, but doing, you know, tangible things to, to correct this evil and injustice. And yeah, now it's, yeah, North Christianity in North America seems to be divided. And, you know, in conversations I've had with, with people who, um, you know, they'll, they'll talk about, you know, the, Black life matters, black lives matter, but all lives matter. And mm. I kind of I kind of cringe at that. And what they come back to me with is you cannot you cannot put guilt on an entire race like whites. Mm. Um, and uh, because their issue is, um, again, it goes back to that communal and individual mm that it's an individual guilt. It's, it's not a communal guilt. And you, a, a per, you know, a person, you know, we can't be blamed corporately, but I kind of come back and say, well, you know, throughout the old Testament and the new Testament, there were a lot of, uh, communities, uh, the nation of Israel was always called a repentance as a group. Um, Jesus spoke of cities that were kind of under a guilt, you know, because of, you know, their lack of faith or whatever. So I I think, I think there's a biblical basis for uh, that. So it's not white privilege per se that's evil. It's that we have, we have not done what we could and should to not only speak out against the evil racism, but to do tangible things. And that was, again, the conviction that I said, I gotta, I gotta do something. What I'm hearing you saying is that even before our church leaders step out onto the street, we need to look within our own communities and ask the kind of conversations that we need to have. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about uh, just this past week, the the head of our RCMP uh, force admitting that she's really struggling even with the concept of systemic racism and being able to recognize it within her institution, which is often at the center of these controversies. So. Uh, you know, if we're having troubles at that level of our leadership in our country, maybe the people in our pews are legitimately struggling with these very difficult concepts, systemic racism, white privilege, communal guilt. I mean, how do we become aware of the way we have responded or not responded to God's prophetic call in these times? Perhaps this is where we need to be right now as a church in these difficult, yes, but potentially transformative conversations. Would you say that's where we we need to be right now? Yes, that's that's a lot of it. And you know, at the at the protest, kind of the the theme was you know starting with our own heart. 
Mm. You know, and I think of the, you know, Jesus out of the heart proceeds all this ugly, nasty stuff. And um, believe it, Matthew 15, but then, mm. and then, but it's got to be like these concentric circles, like it just can't stop there. It's got, you know, in the family, you know, teaching it, modeling what it means to be an advocate for others, mm. um, you know, not just verbally condemning it, but doing something about it. And then it's the step I think that's the trickiest is that being intentional in getting to know people of different, you know, of different race or creeds, because I think once we start building those relationships with people that are, that are not like us, that don't have the same beliefs, that have a different you know, cultural history, then we begin to understand not only their their perspective, which we can't fully understand, but we, I think we see ourselves in the other person. We see the things that are common to each of us and mm-hmm. that, that unify us. You know, uh, you know, we want our kids to do better than us. We, you know, we want safe streets. We want you know good education system. We, you know. I think when we start having those conversations with people from different backgrounds and experiences, that begins the understanding. And then I think it's a, it's a good way to also drop labels. You know, when talking about the importance of church leaders modeling this for uh, the congregation uh, today, where would you suggest, um, and maybe you yourself, um, have turned to a moment of Jesus's ministry where you said, okay, th- this is, this is where we can learn how to do this. Where would you suggest people turn to? For me, it's the story of the woman at the well, mm. because he, he breaks down so many um, barriers. You know, a man talking to a woman in that era was not allowed she was a Samaritan, which was, you know, um, mm. this Canaanite Hebrew combination that, you know, like Jewish people in that day would kind of walk hundreds of miles around the, the community just to not come into contact with a Samaritan. Um, so, you know, the more things change, the more things seem to stay the same, unfortunately. But how he just he just knocked down all those barriers. And to me, that's, that's a model. You know, I kind of coming back to the whole story about, you know, why some might not be as get involved in this kind of, you know, social justice fight is I think there's a, there's another phrase in, in Christianity that's gotten a bad rap and that's social justice. And I think for some Christians, um, social justice, they fear that. They fear like they think that social justice, it kind of distracts from the gospel. It's And um, to me, I, I can't see the gospel without seeing social justice. And, um, and I think that's, you know, it's just a different way of you know, looking at the scriptures. And I think, uh, I think for some in Christianity, they, they try to shy away from this idea that 
social justice is a part of the gospel. It's not a, it's not something antithetical to it. It's it's a, it's essential in Jesus' teaching. So for those who may question you on that point, where do you go to in Scripture to reveal that social justice is an essential part of Christian faith? I think I, I think Jesus' whole walk. I mean, it's it's not only the parables. It's not only the it's it's just how he lived. You know, confronting people that were on the fringe and were disenfranchised. You know, from lepers to I mean, everywhere you I think you look in the gospel, you see see him being advocates for those and which was which was the call in the the old testament you know to care for those who could not care for themselves and to you know speak out to justice and um you know to love mercy and walk humbly with god and uh, so i just i i can't help but see it in all of all of what jesus did and what he taught as a church leader, how do you turn to Scripture with your congregation in a way that allows them to see Jesus in the light that you've just shared with us now? I often look at Scripture and encourage people to look at Scripture as find yourself in the story. Hmm. Who are you? And, you know, as I had to look, I had to, you know, I'm I'm so much that, that, uh, person that asked Jesus who's the neighbor Mm. and I just said I want to be more like the good Samaritan and I look at the story and I say I see I see myself as too much of the the priest and the Levi who walk on the other side of the road Mm. don't want any business don't want to deal with that it's not my problem I didn't beat up the guy I didn't do anything I'm just gonna put my head in the sand cross the road and, and walk away and um, I think I think more than anything, that story was kind of my call out to my sins of omission and uh, that I need to really be the one that's the, the advocate. Do you feel your demonstration had any impact? Yeah, I, I think so. I really do. In many ways, I think, you know, and I, I credit... Um, uh, Marriott Jessup for kind of setting the tone and uh, which was kind of it was it was kind of interesting because it, it came the, the whole goal was to kind of this is a grassroots effort and the grass was up for waste at the, at the park but it was it was not simply um, okay let's be really angry about this it was more of yeah, let's be angry about it, but not in a way that, you know, it's a fire that burns things down, but a fire that ignites us mm. to, you know, take that passion from this moment and focus it in your communities where you are. Um, I think it also set a tone for the other protests that um, took place uh, the, in the week after, you know, that they were peaceful, they were mm-hmm. uh, nonviolent. And so, you know, I, I think there's, in that sense, it kind of set a tone for the, for the other protests. You know, for our whole lives, racism has been a reality in our society. 
do you feel something different about this time? I sense this is going to be different uh, because I think more people are waking up to the reality of re- racism. You know, and I say that because there have been a number of people that I've known in the States that had been like, you know, racism's a thing of the past and, you know, we're, we're against this idea of white privilege and, and they were really upset when Colin Kaepernick took mm. the knee mm. and how they all thought it was an offense to the flag, to the mm. military and all that stuff. But I've, I've heard over and over more of my friends and colleagues back in the States who are saying, now I understand what Kaepernick was doing. Now I get it. Wow. And I, I think as more and more people have that aha moment Mm. and, um, then we're going to start seeing Mm. some change. You know, I think we just, we just need to keep our foot on the, on the gas Mm. pedal and, um, you know, not just kind of fall once again into that complacency. Um, and I, I do sense that this is, this is, uh, a seminal moment. Mm. And I think that's going to the whole idea of seminal and the seed. I think Mm. that's what we have to keep reminding ourselves because you're right. You know, uh, one of my fears kind of jumping into the, into this was I'm going to be misunderstood Mm. or misquoted or miss whatever. And, and it certainly has happened, Mm -hmm. you know, but, um, but, it's just this matter of continue to plant the seeds, even though I'm not going to, I might not in my lifetime see this tree. And what is that one seed that you would want to plant in the mind of the person who, who is still trying to understand why every Christian ought to feel a responsibility in speaking and acting against the injustice of racism? If nothing else, what is that one word that you would want to share with them? I, I'd go back to the, the uh, Latin phrase of the Imago Dei. Mm. We all have that image of God. And it is a part of the gospel to see the image of God in the other person. Until we can see that and what that means, you know, seeing Jesus in the other person, because that's where he resides. And when I see that, that cannot help but change how I not only view that other person, but how I relate to them. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Finding Faith. Next week, we'll talk to an, an indigenous Christian leader who will tell us how his faith community is overcoming generations of racism and helping non-Indigenous churches walk together toward reconciliation. We look forward to you joining us. Until then, take care of yourself and each other.